Welcome to the Liquid Church Podcast, a place where you can hear the timeless truth of God's Word in a way that's culturally relevant and cutting edge. We hope you'll discover how God's story relates to your own and that you will leave feeling encouraged. Thanks for joining us today and enjoy the message. Happy Easter, everybody. Great to see you guys. Welcome to Liquid. I am Pastor Tim, and we are so happy you are here for Resurrection Sunday. Hey, if you are new, Liquid is one church, but we meet in many locations, what we call campuses. So we need to give a big old welcome to all seven campuses joining us today. Can we hear it for Passaic, Princeton, Mountainside, Garwood, what's up, Somerset, Middlesex, as well as everybody watching Church Online. Happy Easter, everybody. Hey, and just to let you know, parents, your kids are in good hands. Uh, before I came up on stage, I popped my head in one of the Liquid Family classrooms, and there was a small group of third grade girls, and their teacher said, hey, who knows what makes Easter Sunday so special? And one of your kids raised their hand and said, well, Easter is the day Jesus walked out of his grave. And I was like, awesome, we're teaching him. And then she said, and if he sees his shadow, he has to go back in for six more weeks of winter. <laughs> Just kidding. Today, I want to talk about the real meaning of Easter, the history behind it, because here's the deal. Easter is not some, like, religious myth or it's this, you know, legend we roll out each spring. Easter is factual and historical. And for the last five weeks, what we've been doing as a church is studying the eyewitness accounts, the gospels or biographies of the life and death of Jesus Christ. We've been tracing his life through the Gospel of Mark. We've been visiting these places where Jesus actually lived and prayed and healed the sick, broke bread with sinners, and then sacrificed his life for yours and for mine. And today I'm excited because we are going to the Garden Tomb. We are literally going there next month on our trip to Israel. We're hosting these back-to-back tours of the Holy Land. But I was like, it's Easter, man. I want to take everybody there virtually with me today. So who wants to go on a virtual tour? Who wants to go to the Garden Tomb this morning, all right? Okay, put your seatbelt on. Let's hop aboard and fly over Google Earth, over the continent of Africa, all the way to the Middle East, to Jerusalem. Everyone say Jerusalem. Jerusalem. It is a 10-hour flight from Newark to Israel. And if you visit Jerusalem, let me show you what you would have seen this past Friday. Christians from all over the world poured into the city on Good Friday to walk in the footsteps of Jesus. They carry a 75-pound cross, like Jesus did, down the Via Dolorosa, or Way of Pain, the road of sorrow. It is a narrow street that snakes through the city of Jerusalem all the way to the traditional place where Jesus was crucified, died, and buried. And that Via Dolorosa leads all the way to the church of the Holy Sepulchre, or tomb. Now, what you're looking at is the holiest site in all of Christianity. According to tradition, the church of the Holy Sepulchre contains a place known as Calvary, where Jesus was crucified, as well as his empty tomb, where he was buried and raised to life. Now, when my wife Colleen and I visited Israel a couple years ago, thousands of believers from around the world were making the pilgrimage to this very church. If you walk inside, you'll see it's very ornamental, decorative, a lot of Eastern artwork, ancient icons. But in the entrance is a marble slab. See it? It's called the Stone of Anointing. And that stone slab is where tradition says Jesus' body was laid out and prepared for burial. Christians kneel there to worship, to touch the stone, to pray, thanking God for Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. Upstairs in a Greek chapel is the Rock of Golgotha. 
This is the place where Jesus' cross stood. So Christians, again, kneel. They crawl underneath the altar. They put their hands in an opening where they can touch the top of the rock, just connecting for a moment with the spot where tradition says Jesus was crucified between two thieves. But now you're looking at the most dramatic site, a small ornate structure known as the edicule, which is built up around the tomb where tradition says Jesus was buried. And I'll be honest, walking around this church, is, it's pretty impressive, but it's a little bit overwhelming for me. Because it's so beautiful, but it's, but it's in this very formal museum kind of way. According to the Bible, the original historical account of Easter took place in a very simple, no-frills garden. So let's open our Bibles. I want to read the historical account of Jesus' resurrection from the Gospel of Mark because there's some fascinating clues, some details I want to show you. Mark 15, verse 42 says this, The death of Jesus happened on what day? On Friday. That was the day of preparation, the day before the Sabbath. The Sabbath is Saturday, the Jewish holy day. As evening approached, Joseph of Arimathea, can you say that? Arimathea, he took a risk, and he went to Pilate and he asked for Jesus' body. Now, Joseph was an honored member of the high council, for he was waiting for the kingdom of God to come. Now, let's just pause here and let me clarify some things for you, especially if you only come on Easter and Christmas, okay? This Joseph ain't that Joseph, okay? Jesus' adoptive father. This is Joseph of Arimathea. This is a wealthy follower of Jesus. He was a member of the Jewish ruling council, and he was a secret follower of Jesus. He followed him from afar because he knew Jesus was getting in trouble. He was being rebellious. He's like, I don't know if I want to be associated. But after he saw Jesus suffer and die on a cross, he says, I want to honor him with a proper burial. And so he asked Pontius Pilate, that's the Roman governor, for permission to bury Jesus' body in a garden tomb. Verse 44 says, Pilate couldn't believe that Jesus was already dead. So he called for the Roman officer and asked if he had died yet. The officer confirmed that Jesus was indeed dead, so Pilate told Joseph he could have the body. Well, Joseph bought a long sheet of linen cloth, and they took Jesus' body down from the cross, wrapped it in the cloth, and let's really do this together, church, laid it in a tomb that had been carved out of the, carved out of what? Out of the rock. Now, this is important. This tomb, this grave, this sepulcher where Jesus was buried, was most likely a cave carved out of limestone rock in the area of Golgotha. In fact, there's a mosaic inside the Church of the Holy Sepulchre that shows us. Take a look. You can see Jesus wrapped in the linen cloth. See his mother Mary and female followers. They're crying. They're heartbroken. Now, Joseph of Arimathea is probably the guy with the gray beard. Notice how they're placing Jesus' corpse into a cave or a tomb carved out of a rocky hillside. Mark says, Joseph wrapped Jesus' body in linen. He laid it in a tomb, and then here it is. They rolled a stone in front of the entrance, and Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of, Jesus, of Joseph, that, that is, two Marys here, saw where Jesus' body was laid. Now watch this. This is fascinating. This is where archaeology intersects with ancient history in a fascinating way. Can I show you something cool, kind of creepy? Deep beneath the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, archaeologists discovered ancient tombs dating all the way back to the first century. They're actually carved into a rocky hill known as Golgotha. And these tombs, you can see, they're a place of darkness, a place of death. Everything is decrepit. Tales from the crypt. 
Now, most archaeologists agree this was a Jewish cemetery at the time of Jesus. Fascinating, right? Now, ultimately, archaeology can't prove that Jesus was buried in this precise location. But take a look. The Bible gives us another clue. Do you remember Mark told us the name of the place where Jesus was crucified? Do you remember the name? It starts with a G. Everyone remember? They brought Jesus to the place called Golgotha, which means the place of the what? Skull. Everyone say skull. Skull, skull Hill, that's Golgotha. Well, in the 1800s, an exciting discovery kind of rocked Jerusalem, set it abuzz. This British leader named General Charles Gordon went to live in Jerusalem, and he was a student of the Bible. And from atop the north wall of the old city, General Gordon, he actually had a view of a rocky hill, which he noticed looked eerily similar to a skull face. Do you see it? Look carefully at that archival photo from the 1800s. Do you see them? Two eye sockets, a nose, the mouth. Golgotha is the Aramaic word for skull. And it likely was used to describe the shape of the hill where Jesus was crucified and buried. Now, in Jerusalem, we will actually visit this sacred site and take a look. Although there's been a lot of erosion over the years, you can still make out the shape of the skull in the hillside today. And Gordon claimed this place is the historic site of Golgotha, not the Church of the Holy Sepulchre. And he called it the Garden Tomb. It's called the Garden Tomb because it's actually located right along the main road where Pastor Kyra showed us the Romans carried out these executions. So travelers passing by would see, what does Rome do to religious renegades? They crucify them. And as archaeologists began to excavate this Skull Hill area, they discovered an ancient garden tomb dating back to the 8th century BC. This is 700 years before Jesus was even born. As you can see, it is a garden grave. It's carved out of limestone at the base of Skull Hill, and it is set in this beautiful, very bucolic garden like it's described here in the Gospels. So I want you to picture this. Jesus' body is buried in a grave, and that grave is located in a garden. Everyone say garden. In Matthew's biography, he tells us, the next day on the Sabbath, the leading priests and Pharisees went to see Pilate. And they told him, sir, we remember. Do you guys remember what that deceiver said when he was still alive? He said, after three days, I will rise from the dead. So Pilate, we request that you seal the tomb until the third day. It'll prevent his friends from coming and stealing his body. And then they're going to tell everybody he was raised from the dead. And if that happens, whoo. We're going to be worse off than we were at first. Isn't that funny? The Pharisees actually remembered what Jesus predicted. He said, three days after you kill me on a cross, I'm going to rise from the dead. Everyone say rise. They were afraid of a resurrection hoax. They're like, you know, Jesus has these 12 buddies, and those chuckleheads may steal his body, tell everybody he's alive, hashtag fake news. They were worried about a conspiracy theory. So they asked Pilate to seal the grave until the third day. And verse 65 says, Pilate replied, all right. Go ahead. Take guards and secure it the best you can. So they sealed the tomb and posted guards to protect it. Now, you may be wondering, how did Romans secure a tomb? Again, take a look at this photo. I actually snapped this with my iPhone of the garden tomb. And if you look closely, you'll see at the bottom, there's a trough. There's a, a stone groove along the bottom. There's plants in it right now, but you can put a large stone to roll through it. So let me illustrate how this might have worked. Notice there is a track with this lar where a large round rock would have been. And notice they found what appears to be an iron pin 
that the Romans would have used to seal the tomb. In other words, the stone would have been rolled in front of the entrance. Imagine that. The iron pins nailed in place, sealing it with a Roman seal across the rock, blocking the entrance. They sealed it with clay, and then the official stamp of Rome went on it, saying anybody who messes with this seal will be executed on site. So notice what we're doing, church. It's, this is like CSI. <laughs> it's a crime scene. We are piecing together a puzzle of what happened on Easter weekend. On day one, Jesus was buried. On day two, Saturday, his tomb was sealed. Who's ready for day three? Everyone say day three. Here we go. Here's how Mark reports it. Saturday night, when the Sabbath ended, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome went out and purchased burial spices so they could anoint Jesus' body. And this is actually quite sweet. The, the women, they want to bring burial spices to Jesus' grave. Has anybody ever visited a cemetery and you bring flowers? It's literally like, they're like, you know what, let's go to Jesus' grave and we're going to pick some flowers, some spices, and we're going to put it on the grave of the one we love. It's this beautiful gesture of love, of devotion from Jesus' female disciples. Their love for Jesus compelled them to go, first thing. So very early on Sunday morning, just at sunrise, they went to the tomb. And on the way, they were asking each other, like, who's going to roll away the stone for us from the entrance to the tomb? But as they arrived, they looked up and saw that the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled aside. When they entered the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in a white robe sitting on the right side. The women were shocked. But the angel said, don't be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. Now, church, in your best Easter voice, I want every voice, every man, woman, child, raise your voice. We're going to read the words in bold out loud. Are you ready? Here we go. Three, two, one. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Look, this is where they laid his body. How many of you know we serve a God who turns graves into gardens? Amen? This is a God who turns tragedy into triumph. Jesus wasn't a victim. He was victorious. So are you. Jesus is alive today. It's Easter morning. Give him a praise, church. Come on. Lift it up. He's a God of hope. Amen? Man, I hope you get a chance to visit the garden tomb yourself someday in Jerusalem. Let me show you what you will experience. Happy Easter, guys. I'm here in Jerusalem at the garden tomb. This is the traditional site where Jesus Christ was crucified and buried, but more importantly, raised from the dead. Come on. I want to show you the great hope we have as his followers today. This is the actual cave that they discovered in the garden, reportedly to be of Joseph of Arimathea, a wealthy man who was a follower of Christ. Pilgrims from all over the world come here to see where Christ laid. But you know what? The most important thing is, he's not in there. He has risen, and so will you because of your faith in him. You know, my favorite part of the garden tomb is the very quaint, simple sign on the door with the words, let's say it together, he is not here, he is risen. You know what that means, church? The worst thing in life is not the final thing in life. 
Death is not the end of life. Because of Jesus, there is now life after death, an eternal life with God in heaven and a reunion for everybody who trusts in him. So understand, because of Easter, the worst thing is not the final thing. You may be going through a dark time right now. You may say, I'm a little bit of a cave. My uh, relationship has died. Maybe my finances or business are, are decrepit, falling apart. But the good news of Easter is that the same love and power of God that raised Jesus from the dead, God wants to give it to you. He wants to give it to me. He says, I want to give life and life to the full to every dead person. Understand, Christianity is not bad people becoming good. It's dead people coming alive. Amen? So understand on Easter, we're not telling legends about some good teacher. We're declaring the reality of a living Lord. Amen? That's the hope we have. Jesus is alive, and he said, I'm coming back. I'm going to return. And this is a powerful promise to everyone in pain on Easter. I know some of you are here today, and everybody dressed up, right? Maybe, maybe you wore a suit, and, but there's a little bit of sloppiness under that suit. <laughs> or maybe you're putting, you're putting on a, a brave smile, trying to hold it all together, but inside you feel sadness. Maybe there's heartache. Because Easter just kind of reminds you of someone who maybe who isn't even here anymore. Maybe they were here last Easter, and now today you're a little dreading because there's going to be an empty seat at the table. Do you know what the hope of resurrection means to people who've lost a loved one, like a son or a daughter? People like my friend Stephanie, who's here this morning. Stephanie and her husband are part of our church family. And for most of their life, Stephanie would tell you, church and faith just weren't a priority for them. But a few years ago, tragedy brought Stephanie back to church. Her son Brian was in real trouble with addiction. And Stephanie tried for many years to, you know, fix him, but without success. But let me tell you something. Well, I'll let Stephanie tell you. It was her faith in a risen Christ that carried her through the darkest moment of her life. My son Brian was born in 1990. He was a sweet, amazing, sensitive soul. He loved to make people laugh. That was one of the most beautiful things about him, and he gave the best hugs. Brian started using drugs in high school. He started with marijuana. We addressed it, of course, and he went into his first rehab facility right after high school. During college, um, took a break, went back to college, dropped out, and then by the age of 26, we probably had been to several rehab centers at that point. He told me he dabbled with heroin and I was scared to death. And I'm a nurse. I worked in the past with patients that had mental illness and substance abuse problems. And it's a very different situation when it's your child. Then at one point, there was about a 30-day absence, no phone calls, no contact, couldn't get a hold of him. And I thought I heard the voice of God telling me to go to Florida, go find him. So after looking for Brian for two days in Florida and having no luck, I knew I wasn't going home without him. We were on foot, we were in a car, we had pictures, we handed out water, we checked hospitals, we checked jails, we checked homeless shelters. I'm begging you, please put him in my path. I don't want to leave here without him. Praying to God, I look up and he's 10 feet right in my path. And I, I looked up and I was overwhelmed, overwhelmed. And I ran and he saw me and we embraced and he came home with me the next day. We went from the train station straight to a hospital 
and he was admitted. He was completely dehydrated. He was a mere shell of what he used to be. He spent some time inpatient in the hospital, and then it was time for him to move. He wanted to go to a Christian church. So we found Liquid Church, and he actually joined me here. And he, you know, we came together the first time. And it was a very different experience, but we did come and I loved it. And I said, Brian, you haven't done a Christian faith-based program. Give it a whirl. And he did, he did. He was there for several months and he did great. When he got out, unfortunately, he, uh, he fell off the wagon like so many people in recovery do. It was a Wednesday, I was on my way home from work. And sure enough, I pulled into my driveway started getting out of my car and I saw my husband walk out of the garage and the look on his face told me what I didn't want to hear. And I lost my son Brian that morning. Oh, it was the most devastating day of my life. I knew I needed to lean into my faith. I, I believe that God doesn't promise easy, but he promises to always be next to you as you're going through it. And I held strong to that faith. So I decided to be baptized here at Liquid. And I had the wonderful opportunity to declare it publicly that my faith is, is why I'm still here. My faith in God and knowing that I'll be reunited with Brian. Having that faith that I'm gonna see my son again and, and I wouldn't have that without my faith in Jesus. This Easter, um, and every Easter since my son died, it's a day of renewal because Jesus died on that cross for us so that we can have everlasting life in heaven. God gave his only son and he rose to heaven for us. We thank Stephanie for bravely sharing her story with us. We're so thankful for you, Stephanie, your whole family. You know, as a parent, there's no words to describe the kind of pain and heartache of losing a child so tragically. But Stephanie is a follower of a risen Savior. And her son believed in Jesus, too. And so in the midst of, of, of the overwhelming grief and sadness, she knows she's promised that she will see her son again one day that Jesus Christ is alive and, and a moment will come when Christ will return and wipe every tear from every eye, the death of death, right every wrong and make all things new, amen? Do you understand what difference Easter makes to a grieving mother? Listen, friends, the pain of this broken world is only healed by the promise of resurrection. In, in the midst of heartache, you can have hope. You can have hope for salvation, hope for heaven, hope for everlasting life. You can have the hope that the worst thing in life is not the final thing in life. Friends, on Easter Sunday, you are surrounded by thousands of believers who don't, we don't just believe in the resurrection. We're betting our lives on it. So can I speak a word of comfort and hope to those of you who've lost a loved one? If you're here today, and God forbid, you've lost a child, your God can relate out of immense love for you. God voluntarily sacrificed his own son, Jesus, 
who then conquered the grave. And so if you've lost a mom or a dad, or a grandma, or, or a nona, or a grandpa, or a pop-pop, or someone you love to trust in Jesus, the empty tomb means one day you will have a sweet reunion. Amen? I think of my own dad. He passed away nine years ago, right around this time. And every spring, I just, I just feel that, because my dad loved the Lord. I just, I just miss him so much. My grandpa, my grandmother who's trusted Jesus, I'm like, but we will see each other again. When Christ returns, raises the dead, we'll be reunited with him in heaven forever and ever, amen? That's the hope you can have at Easter, friends. Your God can turn a grave into a garden. Can I ask, do you have that hope? Like of, of not only sins forgiven, the hope of heaven when you die, purpose for living right now. The bodily resurrection of Jesus is the key to the whole Christian faith. It's not just the cross. If it ended at the cross, it's worthless. Do you know what the Bible says? Listen to this verse. It says, if Christ wasn't raised, then all you're doing is wandering about in the dark as lost as ever. If all we get out of Christ is a little inspiration for a few short years, we're a pretty sorry lot. But the truth is that Jesus Christ has been raised up, the first in a long legacy of those who are going to leave the cemeteries. When Jesus walked out of that grave, he opened the door to everlasting life to anyone who believes. Amen? You're not a victim. In Christ, you have victory. Death is defeated. And nothing now in this broken world, not drug addiction, not divorce, not death itself, can separate you from the love of a living Lord. So if you're in a dark place this morning, can I just encourage you? Man, let the light of Christ just dispel the darkness. Light your, your flame of faith today. In fact, right now, in Jerusalem, do you, do you know what's happening right now on Easter morning at the Church of the Holy Sepulcher? Right now, one of the oldest traditions in Orthodox Christianity is taking place. It's called the Ceremony of the Holy Fire. Thousands of Christians from all over the world are descending and gathering around the traditional tomb of Jesus, and they hold up candles until the patriarch, that's the leader of the Orthodox Church, symbolically walks out of the grave carrying two flaming candles, which represent the light and the hope of Jesus' resurrection. A reminder that no matter how dark life gets, man, we have hope. And that holy flame, look at it, it gets passed around the church from believer to believer until the whole church is filled with the light of Christ. That's literally happening in Jerusalem right now on Easter. And so I thought, man, can, can we join them this morning? Like in our hearts, can we actually go to the empty tomb and join with the millions of believers around the globe and pierce the darkness with the light of Christ? Who's ready to light a flame of faith right now? You got a candle on the way in today at our locations online. You can drop a flame in the chat, but I, I want you to take that out right now. And our ushers are going to start at the end of each row, and we're going to light this place up. Ushers, go ahead. Our team's coming around to light your flame. And I want you, when your candle's lit carefully, very carefully, I want the person next to you, turn your candle to theirs and light it, and then light the next person, light it, and pass that flame down your row. We're going to dim the lights at every campus. And just invite the light of Christ to dispel the darkness, whatever you're facing all over the room. Pass that flame down your row. Parents, help your kids. Take a look around, man. Just hold it up right now. Just hold it up, church. Beautiful to see, right? Just like the news of Jesus spread from, from Mary to the disciples and Peter and John and spread over the world. Let's make this personal. I want you right now to hold your light even higher if you've lost someone that you loved over the last year or two. But you are trusting in Jesus' resurrection. You're gonna see him again someday, like Stephanie. R raise your light if you've got a family member who's died 
maybe, maybe a while ago, but, but they were trusting Jesus as their savior. You know they're safely home in heaven in the presence of Jesus. You still miss them, but your confidence is sure, that's me. I want you to hold up your light if you're a believer. You're staking your eternity, your life on the death and resurrection of Jesus for your salvation. He's your living Lord, he's your coming King, wow. Just take a look, take a look around at all those lights. That's a lot of hope lighting up this church. Listen, maybe you're here today and you've never lit the flame of faith. You may have lit a candle in mass or something, but you've never said like, man, this, I'm grabbing on to knowing Jesus. I want a relationship, not religion. You've never put your trust in Jesus' resurrection historically. Today is a day of salvation. I believe God's literally lighting up the darkness all around you, inviting you, saying, hey, would you, would you believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord? Because he's more than a good teacher. He's a living Lord, and he wants to be your personal Savior. It's how you become saved. Some pe make people make that complicated. You know what the Bible says? It's really simple. Listen to what the Word of God says. It says, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart, what church? Read together that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. If you never made that decision to put your faith in Christ, I want to give you a chance to do that right now. Today on Easter, I want you to raise your light high. In fact, let's all raise it high right now and just declare with me. Say, Jesus is Lord. I believe God raised him from the dead. Just raise it up, man. If you're here, you're like, man, I want to receive the love of God. You want to know your sins are forgiven. You want the hope of heaven. You want purpose for living. Lift your light, raise it up. Look at that church. In fact, look at all those lights. Let's just stand together. All our campuses, stand up. Would you just pray with me? Stand right where you are. Let's lift our lights and bow your heads. Let's pray together. Now remember, as we're praying, Jesus is alive. <laughs> so as you pray, you are speaking right to him. I want you to just pray. Just pray these words out loud after me. You can just say them out loud. Say, Jesus, I thank you for the hope of Easter. Today, I believe that you are my Lord. Jesus, I ask you, be my savior. I believe you died on the cross. Forgive my sins. Jesus, I believe God raised you from the dead. So come into my heart and fill me with your Holy Spirit. I give all of me to all of you. Thank you for the hope of heaven and the promise everlasting life. In Jesus' name. Everyone said together, amen. Church, let's welcome new believers into the family of God on Easter. Thank you for joining us today. If you want to check out Liquid Church for a weekend service, small group, outreach, or clean water trip, you can find out more about us online at liquidchurch.com. And if you enjoyed the podcast, go ahead and subscribe or share it with your friends. Thanks again for listening.